It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis and I'm joined by a man who I know was bursting with pride today watching Abdul Nader bring home the win against yes! the Cavs. Playoff Nader. It's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. How are you, man? Outstanding, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> Super good. Uh, I can only imagine. Uh, and look, also back after a one-game absence, it's our bro in the know of all things X's and O's. It's Joe. Joe, what's happening? Wow, man. Like that was worth like the preparation. Rap, rap <laughs> I spent some time on that today. <laughs> well, if you want another rhyme, I'm basking in the afterglow. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, look, a few housekeeping points very quickly. We are on Twitter at r Celtics Pod. That's the letter R Celtics Pod. We're now pretty active on that also. So if you want to reach out outside of Reddit, that's where you'll find us. Also, Spotify. I know a few of few of you have been asking about when this podcast will be available on Spotify. The application has been submitted and we're now at the mercy of the Spotify gods. So hopefully that'll happen soon. Okay, we're here to break down the absolute bulldozing of the Cavaliers. And Jackson, Joe, it all started with an unlikely hero. Uh, yeah, Le- LeBron James, sucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? What a great dude. Um, no, like I mean, there are so many exceptional performances from that game we could point to, but I want to really talk about probably the guy that everyone just is most surprised at, and that was Marcus Morris. Now, the, the balls on this dude to come out before the game and to say, like, hey, uh, uh, no one's better at going LeBron than maybe Kawhi, except for me. Like, <laughs> for him really to come good. out and, yeah, for, for him to come out, the goal of him to come out and say that, like, he was being set up to just be absolutely, like, humiliated, like, Skip Baylor, Shea Serrano, everyone was just saying, oh, well, we're gonna, here, here comes a murder. And to, to, to back it up in the manner that he did, um, with the defense first and foremost, like what did he shoot? He held LeBron to two and six on the possessions that he that he um, that he had against him. Wow, Jackson, uh, where did you get those stats from? <laughs> yeah, no, so, someone was someone was kind enough to write to write in the, uh, the run sheet, someone and legend. I read it. Yeah, um, and that, couple that with twenty one points, ten rebounds, fifty eight percent from the field, three of four from three, a game high. No, I think Tatum was the game high, but still a plus twenty five. Man, like when the dude gets hot, he he gets unbelievably hot. And it's like, it's so... I, I know a lot of people don't, haven't warmed to him as much as like, obviously, Jalen, Jason, Al, Kyrie, you name it. I was pretty man, warm like, today, I have to say. I felt oh, yeah, nice no, and he, warm about Mook. He microwaved the shit out of that. <laughs> general you know, general um, yeah. stirring of the... No, never mind. <laughs> so, someone, someone put him in the headphone <laughs> I couldn't stirring. say it. I just stirring. couldn't finish the that. sentence. 
<laughs> That's all right. I mean, this this performance, as as impressive as it was, it can't, it's even more impressive for me just due to the coming off the game that he had last against the the, the Sixers. Like he was he was trash, really. He was not that good at all. And then to come out to say the things that he did and to back it up on this stage, like it, it's just remarkable. I like I just I, I'm I'm very 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 high on Marcus Morris right now. <laughs> Uh, I think Marcus Marcus Morris is um, the best interview on the Celts. I like I love his quotes after the game, and and before the game. And I I um I I enjoyed him. Um, you know, it, like he said, he's a competitor, and he's just he's just he that he genuinely believes it. And and I I don't know I don't know who the best defenders of LeBron are, but he can't be far off one of the best i guess based you know? on that display he's, yeah. the, he's the best active player in the league currently with Kawhi out with whatever quad injury he's still got going on or whatever drama is going on in his life but best but, active player according to the to morris's uh own, to the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would know right it's it's him uh yeah. in in the 24 plays in which morris guarded james lebron james Scored just five points on two for six shooting with two assists and one turnover. Sorry, uh, Jackson, I think I'm repeating you there. Uh, but no, it, that's all right. Those were those were those are meteor stats. It's, it's, all fleshed out. It's so worth so. re-emphasizing because that's huge. Like it's it's LeBron James. Like he is in conversation for you know greatest player of all time. I know Bill Simmons uh, in his recent podcast just bumped him up to second greatest player of all time, overtaking one Bill Russell. Not that Bill Simmons is the gospel or whatever, but... No, you know, Marcus um, Morris is the gospel. Is it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn right. He's, He's certainly the gospel to today. five of all time. <laughs> now, LeBron James, uh, like we may have just said, he finished a, a game low. A game low of all the players who checked into this game, LeBron James finished with a negative 32 plus minus. Uh, was on quadruple double watch, though, with 15 points. Nine assists, seven rebounds, and seven turnovers. <laughs> and it uh, looks like what if you guys have just added to our, our Google sheet here that he had eight total turnovers for the entire Raptors series. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Well, wow. one thing that I've, I've I take I take no pride in is uh, going onto other fa- other um uh, fan bases subs and and reading what their reactions were to, to the game and like to be honest like the Raptors <laughs> one is is very sad. I mean I feel very sorry for them. <laughs> They're all just saying they're being man the Celtics made that look. So easy. We were shit. We have, yeah. Casey's got to go. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And I saw that someone wrote there. Yeah. Eight total turnovers for the entire Raptor series versus seven tonight. Um, no surprise that we, we took them apart the way that we did when, you know, you got stats like that in your face. It is one of the, like the great pleasures in life, jumping onto an opposing team <laughs> sub or, a, you know, an, a, a rival sub when they're at their lowest point and just yeah. like swimming in, in the glory of their suffering. Um, so <laughs> I had to do a holiday to like five or six in the day. It was that. It was that buzz. Yeah, so, yeah. That <laughs> good just, on you. Just like discussion for another day, but real quick. Um, man, I would way rather be facing the Cavaliers and the Raptors. The Raptors give us troubles that uh, the Cavaliers don't seem to. You know. Um, yeah. It'd be a very yeah, interesting alternative sort of universe if we'd had to. You know, if we'd qualified as the one seed and we're playing the Raptors in the final. Anyway, um, I thought Rosier did a real nice job on those switches. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Kevin O'Connor put an article up. Um, if you guys haven't read it, I, it's really well worth it. I haven't actually been that high on Kevin O'Connor's articles of late, but this one's quite good. He really goes. He really um, breaks down how um, the Celtics were doing a lot of switching. Um, when the ball on the entry pass to the post, they, they were like switching off, but I thought Rosier did a great job on LeBron. And I actually really liked the minutes that Ojale played against LeBron, I thought he looked real solid. 
when the ball wasn't sort of whacking off the back of his head into uh, Jeff Green's hands. <laughs> yeah, well, one thing um, Kevin O'Connor said, I, I didn't read the article, but I, I heard him on a Ringer podcast earlier today, basically said that pretty much everyone in our starting lineup could switch on to LeBron and defend him due to their length, with the exception of Terry Rozier. And the Celtics defense, uh, I noticed this as well when I was watching the game, I'm sure you guys did too, but did a really good job of whenever it was Rozier that did get switched onto LeBron, actually like bringing the double team or like switching back very quickly and yeah. at the exact right moment. And that was really consistent through the game. That's hard to do, man. That's really hard to do. Eh? It, was, um, it was super impressive and I really appreciated Kevin O'Connor's uh, breakdown of that. It was good. Um, yeah, also, totally. just just a, a ultimate Schadenfreude moment, but um, <laughs> seeing um, Ron's reaction to his blatantly obvious travel in real time was uh, was probably actually the highlight of the game for me, and and the yeah. guy in the crowd <laughs> throwing yeah, the crying yeah. face, <laughs> and especially <laughs> yeah, when Mook got away, it was earlier on in the game, but he had that continuation and one yeah, where was... like he got the foul mm. and then like like just like tap danced like towards the bucket and, you know, obviously got up and, and got the N1, but they were, I lost count of the amount of steps that he took at, at that point. I thought that one looked a lot better in slow motion. Um, in slow motion, I, I but at normal game speed, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a travel. It looked, it looked like he got an extra one. Yeah. Uh, do you guys see, like, obviously LeBron didn't have his best game, but he was still hitting, like, several just insanely difficult fadeaway turnaround jump shots. Um, and it hit at least one early on where I was like, oh, we probably don't stand a chance despite how well we're playing because if he's hitting those shots, then like that's game over. Um, but fortunately, like we pretty much just forced him in where uh, to a point where those were the only shots that he could realistically take with any chance of hitting. Um, and that seemed to be a bit of a winning formula in terms of shutting him down. Yeah. I, I remember that shot you're talking about. It was actually mm. really well defended. I think I think that was one of the, the field goals that Morris gave up, if, if my memory recalls correctly. I think he was guarding him. But I mean, like yeah. I think about the when Horford had him in the, the corner and he just oh, would yeah. not, he could not shake him. And it ended up being, was it an air ball or did it hit the front rim? I can't remember. But like, it was just expertly defended, man. Like the, the amount of, the amount of player, the amount of times that we were just up in his face, making everything difficult for him. Like it was just, it's, it's the the type, of, it's the way you need to play him because he relies on, he doesn't just need to rely on physicality. You know, he can get you on skill and everything like that too. But the, your best weapon against him is to get in his face and get physical. And like, I, I hope, I think we're we're sort of like prodding the bull a little bit here. I think we are going to see a big, big, you know reaction from him but I mean if they keep playing the way that they do and they keep getting in his face then like he can only really do so much even if it is LeBron James yeah so he called game one a feel out game uh implying imminent adjustments for game two and he also said he he, at this point in the series he has zero zero level of concern which I mean you just got blown out by a team missing their two best players obviously you're going to make adjustments you're going to study the the film and whatnot but I don't know, like, I suppose you've got to back yourself and you've got to back your team, but zero level of concern at this point where you just got absolutely, like, destroyed by uh, a team that you were the favorites against and, like, every team before them has been the favorites against. Um, I don't know. I just... 
That annoys I, me. <laughs> I, I feel like LeBron needs to be the guy on that team because the coach certainly doesn't look capable of it and everyone else kind of just looks to LeBron. So if he says he everything's cool, everyone's going to kind of, you know, take cues from that. Whereas if he's sitting up there like chewing out guys and, and getting, you know, frustrated and stuff, then I think I think if we can make LeBron do that like in post-game interviews, I think we know we've got him. So I think that's just what he has to do for his team is just to act like everything's cool. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get to the game two adjustments in a second. I want to quickly move on to Al Horford. Um, the heading I've put here in our Google Sheet is, Horford is perfect, and I thoroughly believe that. And in the words of Brad Stevens, certainly very good. <laughs> uh, can you guys put it better than Brad Stevens, or is that uh, is that as bad as accurate as you can get? Brad, Brad, Brad's a master of the understatement. Could have got a few more rebounds. No, we, we had no issues on the defensive glass tonight. So, um, so, so I can't, I can't, can't complain. Um, I thought Horford uh, for me the highlight was the um was the when he led the break and um hit Morris in stride for the layup that was a that was a, yeah, that, that was, was tasty mm-hmm. yeah it was a pretty versatile skill set he showed like he doesn't have a stat line that sort of blows you out of the water like twenty points a couple of blocks six assists four rebounds uh only sixty six percent from the free throw line. Uh, he made two of his four three-point attempts and shot 80% uh, field yeah. goal percentage overall, which that is one, pretty amazing. That one stands out, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 would, I would say it was like probably like the typical like playoff Holford game, you know? Like there was guys getting the headlines ahead of him. Like you could definitely say that of Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, even Jason Tatum to a degree. But like Holford's just like was in there just getting it done. I think he was, I think he was, he definitely hit his first four shots. That might have even gone on longer. But um, no, every, every time there was there was a play that needed to be made, like Holford was at the center of it. So yeah, long may, long may playoff Holford continue into the series. <laughs> uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Tatum uh, was quiet early on in the game. Finished a game high plus twenty seven. And one one play that really stands out in my mind that I've probably watched the like streamable replay of it maybe ten times today and sent it to everyone I know who hates me and the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> him like shimmying and like dancing on Tristan Thompson and then hitting that three like right in his face. That's just a sort of like spicy like NBA you know elite NBA level highlight that. You know, prior to getting Kyrie and, and obviously now Tatum as well, like we kind of we haven't really had in, in recent memory. He's a bad boy. He's a oh, bad yeah. boy. I do want to talk about Jalen Brown. So if you've got something to, uh, so Jackson, if you've got some Tatum talk, um, you jump ahead there, mate. No, no, by all means. We can, we can I, thought, I thought as I thought I thought as good as Tatum was. Yeah, Brown for me was was the star. Even after gushing over Morris, like I did. Yeah, I'm I'm all on the Brown train. So yeah, Joe, let's uh, let's talk about JB. Yes. <laughs> you go, Jackson. Take it away, mate. No, no, no. This is you. This is you. Oh, hey. I feel like you've got something more prepared than I. <laughs> no, no. I, for me, he was the player of the game. And um, and I thought that he, um, you know, Jalen's Jalen's kind of veered between, you know, um, hesitancy sometimes and, like, when he really gets aggressive, he can sometimes get a little out of control. I just thought he was unbelievable. Um particularly in the first half, just imposing himself physically. It was so good, so good to see. Because he's had trouble finishing around the rim historically, but that sort of seems to have sorted itself out um, of late. He um, he finished at a real high, real high clip. And his favorite play was actually a shot he missed. It was in the, I think it was in the third quarter. He took it really strong on the left wing, stopped, pump faked, and, and, um, and put up a little bank shot. He missed the bank shot, but I was like, that's a really on balance, um, that's a really on balance, calm, 
assertive play, and and for me that that boded really well because if um, you know he's sort of LeBron's going to check him a bit, and um, and we need somebody to take it to LeBron, and uh, he looks like he's up to the task. So go JB. Anyway, yeah. in rent. I was going to say he he set the tone real early as well too. Mm. I think like fr- straight from the tip off he got the he got the ball and he had it in the in the basket within like five seconds, four seconds, or whatever like that was. It was just it seemed like a record time for just to get a basket, particularly like in the East semis, so East, East finals rather. Um uh, and yeah, dude, his body language just speaks volumes of how confident he is at the moment. Um, his shooting was impressive. His just his overall maturity to his game, you know, it, we've been impressed by that all season. But like to do it on like the stage that he's on, like and you know he. He was there for that series last year. He played a much less of a part, but he was there for that series when we got absolutely dicked around by by the Cavs last year. <laughs> so he obviously had something to prove to himself and to LeBron and to everyone else. And that's just kind of emanating from him right now. And I mean, like if we can get like, just like 80%, 70%, you know, even less of like of what we got from him tonight um, for the series going forward, then, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be good. Yeah, 23 points, eight rebounds. Uh, and he shot the most out of anyone on our team. He actually, he took 16 field goal attempts, which is uh, four more than the next, which is uh, no surprise there from Marcus Smart. Made nine of them, so shot 56.3% overall. Made 60% of his threes and 100% of his free throws, which has been sort of a shaky stat for him. You know, They were shaky it. free throws, though. <laughs> they they yeah. were not swishes. He, he made a hundred percent of the two that he took, but still, uh, it was good to you know to see that he was consistent. I guess you can say with that such a small sample size. I had a, I had a really good feeling when his first one like just hit the rim, bounced around, and then went in because I thought those always go out. So when it went in, I was like, okay, this is we we could be onto something here. Yeah, and he only played twenty eight minutes, and it was confirmed prior to the game that he's no longer on his minutes restriction. And Horford only played uh, twenty seven and a half minutes, so that's amazing going into game two. Mm-hmm. So Le- LeBron's henchmen, I want to call them, his teammates. Rodney Hood actually played a, a pretty decent game. I was surprised that we didn't see more of him, um, considering how hot he came out in the game. Uh, Kevin Love played in parts fairly well, but he wasn't the Kevin Love that we saw in the in the Toronto series. Um, all of the Cavaliers players finished with a, a negative plus minus, and the Cavs shot 36% overall and only 15% from three-point range. And uh, they went an entire half without a three-pointer made for the first time this season. Mm. Guys, what did you make of the Cavs? And like, I want to get to what adjustments you think or you anticipate that they will make uh, heading into game two. Let's talk Cavs for a second. I, I would say, obviously, their inability to hit the three, particularly in the first half, was probably the most deciding factor here. Because, I mean, if, like, a, a few of those shots go in and, like, it keeps... Because uh, it, 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 it was a 17-0 run, I think, we had in the first quarter. Like, if they just hit a couple of those shots and, like, it, even though we would still would have been up, like, it did the momentum and, Flow you know, game, and mentality, everything, like, it does. It completely changes the... For me, Kyle Korver not having a good game is, is huge because, like, that dude terrifies me. If, he, if, they, if they can find, like, a right play or a right pass for him in the corner, or open like it's money most of the time J.R. Smith is a dude who will either stink the joint out like nothing else or he'll go like god level ridiculously hot and I feel like if he gets going again that's something we have to worry about but again he he, he had his, the former in this in this game um, I don't understand I, I don't watch a lot of the Cavs but like I've seen some stat like when they start Jose Calderon. Their record is like, like like infinitely better than when they don't. So I would not be surprised to see him come in. But at the same time, 
I'm not that impressed by Ty Lue as, as a coach. I mean, it's popular to kind of jump on the bash Ty Lue Ty Ty bandwagon. But <laughs> I wonder if he'll be quick to make adjustments already. I, I wonder if their mentality might be, look, that was a bad game. We stick with our guys. We go from it from there. If we beat them again, then I think we see serious adjustments. But I mean, they would be, they would be probably pretty naive not to at least tinker with a few things, particularly the starting five. They're in a tricky spot um, because but this is how I see it. Like LeBron's human, and because he's human, he wants he's human in in, in this particular regard. I guess he's human in every regard, but just but <laughs> but this particular sense, like we all, you know, when we're playing a game like of basketball, particularly, there's stuff we just like doing. Like LeBron can do everything, right? But there's certain things on the court that he really likes doing. And and I feel like he really really enjoyed the um the Kevin like because there's there's quite a lot written about um the play where he sort of catches the ball at the elbow and um Kevin Love and and uh, Kyle Corver do uh, do some split screen action and um that we we've covered that really really well and I think he wants to establish himself by or and establish the Cavs by hitting hitting them and getting them going early. And when he couldn't, he had to be a score early. I just think he didn't like it. Um I think I th- I don't know that there will be an adjustment and I'm not smart enough to know what it is, but our personnel is just really, really good. You know, Horford can switch on to Corva. Um our you know, everyone except Rosier can kind of credibly switch on to Love and give him a go. I loved seeing Marcus Smart on Kevin Love. That was a great position. I don't know the one. <laughs> Love scored anyway, but it was it was awesome. So I don't know that there's a. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to get their rhythm with that particular play. I think, and they've really had a lot of success with it against the Raptors. And um, and it was, I don't know what the adjustment will be. It'll be something, but um, but as far as I can tell, just just with my limited understanding, it looks like it looks like a tricky little thing for him to solve. I think he might just have to be a lot more aggressive offensively, and. Um, and really force the issue early on. Yeah, there were a few suggestions that were floating around today from, you know, your various keyboard warriors and more people with actual credibility. But uh, one of them was uh, put Tristan Thompson in, like to begin, to protect the rim. They were quite weak, it seemed, defensively around the rim. We saw, you know, the first five seconds of the game, Jalen Brown catches the ball and explodes the rim for like an extremely early bucket. And Jalen Brown in particular, but but other guys in our uh, squad as well, at times were just getting to the rim uh, too easily. I I thought, and if I was a Cavs fan, like I'd be pissed off. Like it just seemed like it was a very low effort portion of the court for them defensively, which is obviously where you should have your highest effort defensively. Um, so that was one suggestion to get Tristan Thompson in there to, for a bit of rim protection, or put the run at the point. Love at center and surround them with the shooters through the the two through four uh, positions, which was something that was pretty successful for them. Uh, sort of later in the regular season, uh, obviously LeBron running the point with his basketball IQ and his passing ability really opens up and spaces the the floor for the Cavs and gives them an opportunity to uh, neutralize guys that we brought in who were, had a, I thought a pretty good impact defensively, uh, like Aaron Baines for example. He is. Pretty well useless defending the perimeter for the most part. He did have one or two good defensive positions where he got drilled out there, but for the most part, um, if they were to go with that, close out on love. He, uh... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but I don't think he can do that consistently. So one of those two directions for the Cavs 
is what's being suggested. Um, certainly, they're not my original thoughts, but they obviously have to make a change. I I hope they bring Thompson in. Um, to me, that makes them a lot less dangerous offensively. Um, and it doesn't make us a whole lot worse offensively, I don't feel. So so I'd like to see them bring Thompson in because if we get to play Baines, then we get to... Um, we get to our bench becomes a little more balanced. We probably still don't have Morris on the bench, but it means that we can bring someone else with a bit more punch off off the bench, like Hujo. It would have to be it would have to be Marcus Morris. But yeah, I just sort of feel like that plays plays into our hands quite quite well. Um, yeah, be interesting to see. They might do it. They got to, they probably have to do something. Yeah, it's it's weird because you can you can almost automatically make a counter adjustment to any of the proposed adjustments for the Cavs like as far as what the Celtics would do to counter that. But mm. the one thing that you can't really counter is just LeBron James being LeBron James. Certainly wasn't LeBron James today, or at least the, the LeBron that we know and and some of us love, some of us despise. But um, if he can be, you know, his best self, then I don't know if there's something that we can do to counter that. But it's going to be interesting to see. I'm really looking forward to game two, actually, because, you know, like both teams showed their initial true colors going into game one but now like lebron said in his post-game press like you make the adjustments and you you come back and you you hit back and it's going to be interesting to see uh the adjustments that both teams make i want to give a shout out very quickly to reddit user c roy he put together uh an eastern conference final game one by the numbers i'm not going to call them all out here um that was a really nice sort of statistical breakdown uh as to what worked for both teams today. So I'll read a few out now. The Celtics shot a better three-point percentage than the Cavs' field goal percentage. Only one Cavs player shot only 50% from the field. The Celtics had five. Outside of LeBron's seven, the Cavs only turned the ball over twice. A less than inspiring bright spot in their loss. No Celtic turned the ball over more than twice themselves. And Mook outscored, out-rebounded, and had far less turnovers than LeBron. The dude backed up his comments, like Jackson said, about LeBron this week with an absolutely incredible game. So definitely uh, check that out the next time you're on the sub, which uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're there regularly. Definitely worth a look. All right, so some quick news about the team from around Reddit, Twitter, and whatnot. Uh, Reddit user Doondog223 tweeted on RNBA, Enemy Territory, that the Celtics remain unbeaten at home in the playoffs, 8-0 and zero at home now. Uh, that's incredible. Definitely not a prediction that I would have made or backed up prior to the postseason, but we definitely seem to have found another gear, particularly at home, although we didn't see TD Garden, Terry Rozier today. Do you guys have any thoughts or uh, extra praise to heap on about that home record in the playoffs? It's It's proved to be... I always knew it was going to be important, but it's proving to be like one of the most important um, factors in this in this run so far, and it's very encouraging that you know we well, it's encouraging that we've, we've we've had it you know throughout, and we will have it if we can get out of the East. It is a little bit sad that if we do make the finals, then we will not have it. So um, I'm happy to have it while we've got it there, and I mean if we can go, what would that make if we win next game nine and zero, and then win more two more on the road? Yeah, if we could go, if we could wrap it up before having to play more games at home, and then add to that, that would be great. But um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's a genuine advantage, it seems. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it look, the, <laughs> why they the call it home court advantage. Uniforms always yeah. look nicer to me as well, too. <laughs> I like the whites. The, the crisp white. Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed. Now, Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports tweeted, the 76ers are interested in trading for Kawhi Leonard and signing LeBron James. Wow, who um, wouldn't be? 
Yeah, right? Like, is this news? I'm not sure, but the fact that they're, I don't know, like that, it's hard to really know, right? Like that could be someone's headline and it is coming from NBC uh, or it could be legitimate news. And the idea of it being legitimate news like genuinely terrifies me because, you know, they already have an extremely high ceiling with their current roster. Um, But obviously adding LeBron James to the already incredibly spicy roster, let alone Kawhi Leonard, terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be ideal. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, LeBron, even though LeBron is LeBron, like, he's, what, he's 33 now? So, I would be more worried if they if they got just Kawhi and Kawhi yeah, alone, I think to so be too. perfectly honest. If he comes out with no sort of remnants of the of the, the knee injury and he comes back fully fledged, if they put the, him on the 76ers, then I would be worried. LeBron's presence would obviously be terrifying, but I think that would have a shelf life. I think it would probably... There might be chemistry issues getting him to play alongside uh, Ben Simmons because they kind of have the same game, but LeBron's is just, you know, further developed and better. So I don't know. That would be interesting. Not ideal, but I, it wouldn't freak <laughs> me out because at the end of the day, we've got two pretty decent guys who are going to come back for next season too. And I think, you know, given what we've seen so far, it'll work out okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think Paul George would be a better fit for them. Um, like Dan LeBron or than Kai- Kawhi? I think he'd be a better fit than both of them. In, yeah, in, right. all, in all seriousness, um, just you know, as he's sort of noted as 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 not needing the ball, and I think Kawhi's kind of developed in in San Antonio into a real star. Like Kawhi's like Kawhi hogs the rock, man. Like he's amazing, <laughs> but he hogs it. Um, and and I don't know if that's what the Sixers is necessarily in their best interest. I mean, you know, talent's talent, and 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 if you have the chance to do it, you you do it. But um, but yeah, I think Paul George would be. I'd be. They got Paul George. I would, I that would be for me the the least positive outcome. Yeah. Funnily enough, the def- the defense would be insane if they got either of those guys pairing with Embiid. So yeah, mm. yeah. Now look, st- staying with the Philly 76ers, Keith Pompey of Bleacher Report tweeted out that they are prepared to do whatever it takes to sign LeBron James this summer. Uh, I think they're probably joining a long <laughs> list of teams who would uh, would probably uh, do the same thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Again, this is these are the headlines that are coming out and worth calling out in the news segments of our podcast. But you know, is there much substance to them? It's it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. Um, I I only dismiss that prepared to do whatever it takes because I mean, obviously, if you want LeBron, you will do whatever it takes. But LeBron's the one who decides ultimately. You know, he may already have his heart set on LA, and there's nothing that they could do to to talk him out of it. You never know. He maybe he wants to go to Philly. Maybe he wants to stay in the East. It's 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 too early to say. And I think this we should probably you know they're just going to these stories will come out more and more and they will definitely they'll go gangbusters if we can dump the calves out but i think this is what the next you know few months is going to look like in terms of you know news and nba and nba reddit yeah sort of getting to that that part of it but look if i if i was a Sixers fan like i would not be at all keen on this which sounds crazy because it's lebron james but you've got ben simmons on the up and up and becoming a sort of proto lebron and you bring in lebron james who needs to have the ball in his hand uh, pair him with Ben Simmons, who is of the same cut, and I, I don't understand how those guys coexist on a on a on a championship team. And then you've got another big personality there, and Joel Embiid, and I don't know. I just don't see it working out. I don't think it's it's not like you know NBA 2K or whatever. It's not as simple as just like adding a good player to your team with a high rating and like you know letting letting it all happen. There's there's basketball elements to this that need to be considered, and I don't think that's a good pairing. I felt the same about Chris Paul going to play with James Harden yeah, yeah. in Houston, and that's yeah, that's true. turned out okay. <laughs> that's turned out fine. Yeah, good call, good call. Um, 
I want to move on to the post-game thread that we saw on the uh, Boston Celtics Reddit after the game today. User Wizard of Floyd called today's game the Mother's Day Massacre. Oh, I like that. Which I That's thought was catchy. pretty good. Nice ring to it. Yeah, yeah I like it. Uh, hopefully we can uh, look back on highlight videos as, at, at this game as the Mother's Day Massacre in the future. If we win the series, it'll, it'll, it'll be significant. But if we don't win the series, I, I sort of feel like... <laughs> It'll, it'll just be a bit of an aberration. That's what it'll be regarded as, you know? Yeah, or well maybe we'll be referring to a uh, like a, a greater massacre if the series ends in favor of the Cavs. Yeah, we, can, we can do better. <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can massacre them more. Why not? User Jota BM, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, just a very confusing combination of uh, six letters or so. Nader is two points shy of doubling Fulter's playoff points total. It's not incorrect. Amen. Fairly Amen. disrespectful call out. Amen. But, uh, Amen. That's quali- quali- you recognize quality when you see it. So that's right. Can't, yeah. can't lie with that. Excellent analysis. Uh, user Larry Die, uh, isn't it just freaking crazy that this team has a legitimate shot of going to the finals without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, our two best players? Um, yes, it is pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think any of us thought that we would actually be here. I don't think anyone really and maybe even the guys on the team i don't know i can't speak for them but it's just insane given that the majority of our payroll is injured and yet here we are just knocking down lebron james you know one or two pegs uh early in the eastern conference finals and now maybe a lot of the doubters a lot of the haters are maybe starting to sway their opinion of the team and our abilities to actually get out of the east um yeah it's just Man, the, unbelievable. The one, the one thing I would say that there's the most amazing thing about it is not only did we have not, haven't had them, there's not been one point throughout this whole playoffs where we've really missed them or I've really thought to myself, oh man, we could use Kyrie, Kyrie now. Obviously, it does cross your mind, you know, yeah. what they can bring to the table, but like, it's not like outside of the Buck series, like, I have not, I don't think we've been found wanting. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, some of our road games, particularly in Milwaukee, I uh, could have Fair. used one yeah. uh, Gordon Haywood or one Kyrie Irving, but um, yeah, we, we've been fine. Here's here's my here's my take on this. Um, firstly, I've kind of come to like I've been wrong about pretty much everything this playoffs, and I'm kind of now coming to the point of like you know just like the Red Sox back in '04. Why not? Like why not the Celtics? Yeah, you know that's right. Why not? And and the thing this is the only way I can explain it to myself is like, Harry Irving's a great player, but when he's not there, we have a really coherent identity as a team. And um, and and I wonder whether that's, you know, you're seeing a team that appears to be greater than the sum of its parts, and I wonder if that's just it. Like, there's just now a really coherent identity with aggressive defenders at all 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 spots, right? Like, all seven guys, eight guys in the rotation are aggressive, known defenders, and and I just wonder whether that's um, whether that's where the where the magic lies, you know. Um, but I don't know. It's speculation. I'd still rather have Irving back. Yeah, I I keep coming back to this like whole idea of like, are we living in a thirty for thirty series right yeah. now? And like, are we about to see this team of scrappy underdogs, even though they wouldn't call themselves underdogs, like pull it out? But I don't know. Like, we just got to take it one game at a time, one series at a time. Um, and I'm speaking from the fan perspective there, as someone who like. Um, whose anxiety like skyrockets with every game because you just like invest so much of your like of your, of your existence into the team and like how they're doing like we've we've touched on this um, way back even on the, in the first episode of the podcast but look it's nice to win I guess is what I'm saying 
So hopefully we can pull out a few more wins and get to the finals and then we can worry about that whole situation uh, then. Now look, final Reddit shout out. The subreddit, the Boston Celtics subreddit hit 50,000 subscribers today and whether or not that was a, a few thousand all of a sudden bandwagoners hopping on the bandwagon and hopping on the subreddit. That's fine. You guys are all very welcome. welcome I hope you're having a good time. Yeah, that's right. At one point or another, uh, we were all bandwagoners. But um, that was posted to the sub by Sumitoad. I uh, hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably mispronouncing all of these usernames, but um, that's fine. But uh, look, that's really cool. I mean, this is a huge community. Uh, there are a, a lot more people on the Celtics subreddit than there are for the majority of other teams. And hopefully that's just going to keep snowballing. And uh, this time next year, we'll be cel- celebrating 100,000. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an exceptionally fun uh, sub to be a part of. You know, um, I, I enjoy it immensely. Obviously, we, we got this podcast going through the unity that is the, uh, the, the, the Boston Celtics subreddit. So um, yeah, great to see. Great to see those numbers coming in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a milestone. It's a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, there's been like like Jackson sort of said, there's been a lot of love uh, from the listeners that have come out of the the Celtics subreddit. Uh, one thing I wanted to say, sort of on that, was one of the great things about making it this far uh, into the playoffs when you're like one of the final four teams is all that the love and attention that your team gets. And like you finally have these big, you know, ESPN talking heads and yeah. whoever, like people online just talking at length about players that you've loved and admired all season. So now we've yeah. got, you know, big names talking about Jason Tatum and, and how Al Horford actually is a deserved all-star and a deserved max player. And that's just there's something so like vindicating about that to to finally get that recognition. It's such a satisfying way to conclude the season and even if we are unfortunate enough to to not make make it past LeBron uh, and into the finals, I do think you know somehow we have um, progressed from where we were this time last year, and we've actually had a better season despite possibly not making it any further. Yeah, man. I mean, like, there's a lot of people who hate on the Celtics and hate on the like Boston sports in general. I mean, like, you, you can't control those people, man. But like, I feel like it's just given the circumstances of the season, the way that the season's developed, the story that is there, the young guys we've got, the way that we play, the coach, everything there, man. Like, we would have we've won so much respect. I feel like if this was coming from the Lakers, like if the Lakers had like this identical situation, you know, you'd have you had no choice but to respect it and just to be impressed by it. So we're very very lucky that it just happens to be our team that's you know that's pulling this off it's it's wonderful yeah man. it's um it's i think as a fan these are the real high points so let's just enjoy it yeah absolutely now look that'll just about do it for this conference finals edition episode of the boston celtics reddit podcast we've got game two coming up on tuesday u.s time wednesday australia new zealand time cannot wait for that like we said earlier it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of adjustments are made look in the meantime if you want to reach out on reddit or on twitter at our celtics pod very welcome to send in your questions your feedback your concerns and we're very happy to address them on upcoming episodes can't wait for game two go celtics peace